Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we continue our Sunday morning series entitled The Old Corn of Canaan. In this series, we will learn to leave the survival mentality of the wilderness and become stable in the land of promise. Stability brings success, and success brings significance. And with part two of the series, here's lead pastor Rex Johnson. We are, we're, we're picking back up today on our Old Corn of Canaan series. We talked about uh, Borderland a couple of weeks ago. Then last week we went into uh, communion. We talked about where we'll bury our hearts, so we talked about communion. But today we're going to get back into the Old Corn of Canaan. We're trying to go, everybody say, from survival, survival. to stability, stability, to success, success. to significance what it's about. We don't just want to live week to week, day by day. We want to understand that God is our refuge. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. There's nobody like him. There's nobody beside him. He is august. He is special. And he is a real heavenly father. Amen. And so we honor that. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read the word of the Lord to you today. I'm going to speak today on the subject, fresh oil. I'm going to talk about fresh oil today. Does that old corn cob make you hungry? Well, if y'all, get, if y'all act right, I'll let you out of here in a little while and you go eat some corn, okay? Psalms 92, 10, David said, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed. He didn't say I want to be. He didn't say, I wish I could. He said, I've made up my mind. I'm going to be anointed with fresh oil. I'm going to be anointed with fresh oil. That unicorn is probably compared to the rhinoceros today, and hunters hunt the rhinoceros, and they don't hunt it necessarily for its hide, although boots are made from the hide, nor the meat. It's not that much to eat. But they hunt for it because of that horn, because that beautiful horn can bring a lot, a lot of money. And many you'll see that are killed, they leave the rhino dead and all that's left when pirates many times take them down is just that horn. Because there's something about the anointing. There's something about the presence of God. There's something about that special thing that comes off of that rhino's nose. There's something special that everybody wants. And hell wants your anointing. It's not, it's, not, it's, not the, you know, it's not the flesh that hell wants. It's not, it's not anything else. He just wants you not trusting in your God. He can win that battle. He's got you where he wants you. And so I'm going to preach today on fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. You may be seated. I'm going to tell you a couple little jokes here before we get started because that's what I do. You heard about the invisible man that married the invisible woman. They had two kids, but it wasn't much to look at. That's cute. Now, it's not anything. It's not going to stand up on Jimmy Fallon's show, but that's a good story. That's cute. Or a guy that a man saw in the desert, and a man was carrying a car door over his head. He said, why are you carrying that? He said, because if it starts raining, I'm going to roll the window up. (laughs) That's funny. At a recent church luncheon buffet line, 
Next to the apples was a sign that read apples. Please only take one per person. Remember, God is watching. A little further down the line, next to the cookies, someone had scrawled in a crayon. Must have been a kid. Cookies, take all you want. God's watching the apples. Y'all are a much more receptive audience. Y'all got y'all sleep last night. Thank you. Or how about the three-year-old who was caught sitting on the kitchen counter eating cookies who said, I just climbed up here to smell them and my tooth got caught. (laughs) What is it about that sweet little confection that tantalizes us so much? When you smell cookies cooking, baking, It says, I'm home. It says, love lives. Wife is awesome. And I'm going to gain weight. (laughs) But you know, it don't even take cookies, bacon. Even a bag of Oreos can evoke that feeling for some. It does for me. I'm going to confess to you. I enjoy... Oreo cookies. I've just been in half my mind since Bluebell went off the counter. Because a lot of people love surf and turf. I love crunching munch. I love munch and milk now. Because there's nothing better with an Oreo cookie Boy, I wished I could eat that, but I'd get stuff all over my teeth and you wouldn't like my preaching. But having a crunchy Oreo and then a cold glass of milk or a cold glass of milk and go find the Oreo cookies. There ain't nothing like it in all Israel unless you got some bluebell ice cream. I make my own cookies and cream. Little Orphan Annie sung, Tomorrow. Tomorrow, I love you, Bluebell, tomorrow, it's only a day away. August 31st, baby. My wife read the paper or heard it on the news, saw it on TV or something, said only four half gallons per person. So I'm getting all my grandkids. <laughs> I'm getting my sons-in-laws, my daughters. Honey, when you come to my house on Tuesday or Wednesday, there's going to be enough bluebell to feed you and your army. Because bluebell's back in business. And next week, you'll see a little bit more of Pastor Jay. Because I promise you, this week, I'm going to indulge again in the Listeria-laden bluebell and trust that it's going to be all right. Anybody going to join me? This Oreo cookie is America's favorite cookie. Made in 1912, and the original cookie was an inch wide and about a third of an inch tall, and over 332 billion have been sold so far in America. And if, and if you put these cookies in the... In the world's longest freight train, 660 freight cars, it would fill those trains more than 50 times. That's a lot of cookies. 
or if you stacked them on end, on top of each other, it would reach the moon and back more than six times. Or if you put them side by side around the equator, it would circle the globe 400 plus times. An Oreo cookie is 29% cream and 71, passing is 70, 71% cookie. So it passes the cookie test. But I love to do this. Anybody like to do this? Just open them up like this and it. I'm sorry. There's some flowers around these Oreo cookies. There's 12 of them on each side. There's like 625 million eaten every month and 20.5 million per day. A man needs to know what kind of cookie he likes, and I know the Oreo, okay? Did a little personal study on the Oreo. Thank you for that. I just had to share that with you today. That don't have anything to do with the sermon. Thank you. But there was a man in the Bible that enjoyed the presence of the Lord like a lot of us enjoy cars or enjoy food or enjoy places to go. His name was David. He was a man after God's own heart. He was called that because he was continually chasing the heart of God. And he had a need to please the Lord. He wanted fellowship. He wanted communion with his God. God must have loved this kind of heart because he blessed David abundantly. He blessed him continually. And even more than that, God loves people that chase after him. He loves people that praise him in any situation. Sister Suber turned to me and said, I love that Romans 8 and 28. That's my favorite scripture. And I said, I love the one that says, in everything give thanks. When people can come in the house and praise the Lord no matter what's going on in their world, God loves those kind of people. You understand me? Anybody want to give him some thanks today just because you're in the house? I think that's good stuff. David wrote poetry like this. He said in Psalms 42, as a heart or as a deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after you, O God. He wrote stuff like in Psalm 27, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. But you see, there was a reason why David wrote that for in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and 2, the Bible said an illegitimate child, one born out of wedlock, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to his tenth generation. In other words, he can't come. Shall he not enter to the congregation of the Lord? And David was the tenth generation from a horrible situation that happened to Judah and his daughter-in-law Tamar back in Genesis 38. Because Judah and Tamar produced twins named Perez and Terah, Azera. And Perez became the bloodline, and Perez produced Hezron, that's the second lineage. Hezron produced Ram, and Ram produced Amenadab, and Amenadab produced Nashon, and Nashon produced Salmon, and Salmon produced Boaz, and Boaz produced Obed, and Obed produced Jesse, and Jesse produced David. And the tenth generation, David steps up and says, Wow, I get to go to church. And he said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. There's one thing I want to commend this church about this morning. You people must love to be in the house of God. You just have to love it because you show up every week in mass. You show up every week in great numbers. You come on Wednesday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night, we're going to have great, great time. 
On Tuesday night, Pastor Dale Gentry is going to talk probably prophetic words to us. And then on Wednesday night, he's going to talk about the end time. You need to be here both at prayer and at church. Prayer lasts one hour, seven to eight. Church will last about an hour and 15 minutes. You need to take a Wednesday night and come and understand that Jesus may be coming real soon. But I want to tell you something. I want to applaud you today. Can I clap my hands for you? Because you are in the house of God. Come on. It's a great thing to be in the house of God. Aren't you glad that we don't live in a country where we can't go to church? Aren't you glad we have this freedom? Aren't you glad you live in a good old United States of America? Come on, clap your hands and rejoice. We get to be in church. That's right. No king, folks, in the Bible, no king ever spoke of the anointing like King David. It was almost like his Oreo cookie. He wanted the anointing of God on his life. He was obsessed with the anointing of the Lord. He had a yearning for God's presence. He was the only man in the Bible that was ever anointed, not once, not twice, but three times. He was anointed three times to be king of Israel. Once at his father Jesse's house when Samuel had turned from Saul and Saul had disobeyed God and came to Jesse's house to try to find somebody to anoint and he lined up all the seven sons that he thought were Jesse's and none of them worked and he went by them the second time and none of them worked. But then he said, do you have another? Is there anybody else in this house? He said, yeah, I got a boy down at the sheepfold and he said, we'll bring him up. And he told those other boys, he said, we won't sit down until he gets here because Samuel knew that he had been by twice and they wasn't the king, so the king must be coming up the road from the pasture. And David walked in and was anointed. Then he was anointed again in Hebron when he became king of, the Jew, of, of Judah. Then he was anointed again a few years later when he became the king of all of Israel. And there was something about that anointing that David enjoyed. There was something about that presence that David enjoyed. You see, when a king was anointed, folks, now you got to get this. I know it's going to sound real sloppy. It's going to sound real ugly. It's going to sound real blah, blah. But when a king was anointed, they put six quarts on his head. They just didn't say. They overloaded him with oil. They poured it on his head. It got in his mouth. It got in his nose. It got in his ears. That, that anointing got all over him. It ran down his garment. It ran down his robe. It ran down into his shoes. It poured on the floor because they wanted him to be anointed. And David said, I'd like to have round two of that. I'd like to go a third time to that. And then in Psalms 92, he said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Because David had this thing about God. He wanted to live not outside the anointing, but under the anointing of the Holy One of Israel. You understand that? If a church is ever going to succeed in life, we cannot live by doing this ourselves. We cannot make it by man-made motions. We cannot make it by man-made man -made theories. We have great plans in this church, and we make great plans. And I've got a crack staff that's awesome and incredible at planning stuff, but we can't live just on plans. We've got to have an anointing. You can put a car together and not put gas and oil and it never will run. Oh, it'll look pretty, but it won't run. We need something to make this thing run. And what makes it run is the oil of the Spirit. Are you with me? The oil of the Holy Ghost. Would somebody help me preach right now? We need the oil of the Spirit in our life. I can see David sitting on his throne one day and somebody comes in and said, David, David, guess what? The Dow Jones is up. Man, the numbers are up. There's more people that are Jews now. We're proselyting people all over the country. We had, we had 300 Moabites join the Jewish party. We had a bunch of Hittites come and join us. And David said, 
That's good. Somebody else walked in and said, David, we sent the men out to battle. It wasn't even a battle. It was just a skirmish. We won the war. David, you're the mightiest man in all of Israel. You're the mightiest man in all the kingdoms of this earth. And David said, uh, that's good. And somebody comes in and said, David, guess what? They're talking about you in every country. Everybody's speaking about you. Great and wonderful. And what a great king you are. And what a great leader you are. He said, that's wonderful. And then he looked at him and he said, do y'all mind if I go to church? Go to church? Yeah, I need to go to the synagogue. I need to go to the house of God. What for? Because I need to get my head under the anointing of the Lord again. I need to get my spirit in tune with him. It's great to hear accolades and praises, but the thing that makes this kingdom what it is is that I get anointed with some fresh oil every now and then. And I'm preaching today because it's the end of summer. We're going into the fall and every one of us need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh oil on our head. We need a fresh oil on our spirit. We need a fresh oil on our body. We need a fresh oil everywhere around us. And this whole church needs to be baptized with a fresh oil today. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. So, what made David so pleading? What made him so proactive? What made him so hungry for that fresh oil? Glad you asked. First of all, a person who was called of God was anointed with oil. The called were anointed, set apart for special responsibilities. Hear this now. The anointing prepared and made ready for the service of God. Moses poured oil on Aaron's head. It went down into his beard, down into his garment. Samuel anointed David. Elijah anointed kings and prophets with oil, setting them apart for special responsibility. Listen, even Jesus, even Jesus, when he began his public ministry at the inaugural address, chose the anointing passage from Isaiah 61 and 1. It's on the screen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. That was an outpouring, folks, not a trickle. I, w- I would like to say that many churches that preach Holy Spirit have him locked away in the closet. And they mention him every now and then, but he don't ever get to come into church. It's the Father, it's the Son, but never the Spirit. But I'm here to declare to you right now that the Holy Ghost is going to have its way in this house, in this place, because the miracles that were brought forth in the month of July were because we let the Holy Ghost reign in this house. There are miracles that have gone on into August and that baby being healed is because we've let the Holy Ghost loose in this house. And you hear me, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this house today. You're welcome here today. I want to get my head up under the fountain. I want the fresh oil of God to pour over me. I want the Spirit of God to come down and reign in my heart and life. I want my staff to be anointed. I want the choir to be anointed. I want the musicians to be anointed. I want our teachers to be anointed. I want every saint to be anointed. I want everything to be anointed in this house. Come on, anointing. Give us some fresh oil. Mm. God is saying... Want to do great? Want to be set apart? Want to be used for my glory? Let my fresh oil get on you. So what made David so proactive about fresh oil, simply put, was this. And here's the answer. He was a shepherd king. He was a shepherd king. He was shepherd to a flock. Jesus Christ is a shepherd king. 
He is our good shepherd. David was a shepherd king. And he understood what it was to be a shepherd. But he also understood what it was to be a sheep to the great, un, the great shepherd. And so bottom line is that David approached the Lord in a way that many kings never approached him. He approached him as a shepherd. Now I've got to tell you one more funny story before I get to talking here. There was two older men talking about their health in the foyer one day of the church. And one of them said, my new doctor doesn't just treat the symptoms. He treats both mind and body. Really, said the second one. He grunted and thought for a moment. Then he asked, does he give a discount if the mind is already gone? That's funny. Anybody's mind already gone? Let me speak to you before I get to preaching today. Don't, you don't have to look for a discount today. God is not running a blue light special at Kmart today. His grace is abundant. Are you with me? His power is sufficient. Are you with me? His, his, his power to heal is greater than it's ever been. And God's grace for healing is here for everyone. Joy and Dennis, the menace, were leaving the Wilson house one day with cookies in their hand, probably Oreos. And Dennis says to Joy, Mrs. Wilson gives you a cookie because she's nice, not because you're nice. And I want to declare that God blesses us with grace, not because we're nice, but because he's nice. Because grace is unmerited favor. Come on, we don't deserve the grace of God, but oh, isn't it great to feel the grace of God? Aren't you happy? Oh, I want to preach to you today. On Tuesday, I read the 23rd Psalm. I read the 23rd Psalm to my, to my staff on Tuesday. And uh, I read it, uh, and uh, I had, had a funeral last Sunday here at the church, and then I had a funeral Thursday, and lost two wonderful people. Old Brother Donald Peppers was 83 years old, but boy, was he a, was he a crackerjack saint of God. He was awesome. He came in, first time I ever saw him, he came in, he said, are you a preacher? And I said, I try. He said, well, I'll tell you when you get through if you can or not. He stayed with me almost 11 years, so I guess I did all right by him. Buried Miss Edna last Sunday. Sister Edna, what a, what a sad day, and, and it, was a, it was a tough week. So on Tuesday, I just, I just decided in between the funeral of Edna and the funeral of Brother Peppers on Thursday, I decided to read the 23rd Psalm. And something leapt out, leapt out to me, and I, I, just, I, want to, I want to share it with you today. Verse 5, 5 is the grace number, but verse 5, there's just six verses, but verse 5 is really the catalyst for me. David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. He said, you anoint my head with oil at the table, and my cup runs over. You know what? It's an amazing thing what happens when you set up to God's table. Not only is he going to feed you, he's going to come by and pour oil on your head. I used to have a pastor when I was a little old kid in Littlefield, Texas. His name was Brother Hash. That's his name. Not the food substance. That was his name. And he used to have a gallon bottle of olive oil at the front of the church. A gallon bottle of it. A gallon. Like a milk carton. A gallon. And when somebody was real, real sick, he'd pour that oil in his hand, just rub his hands real good, and then just wipe it all over you. <laughs> a lot of people didn't get sick in that church. And when they did, they said, I just have a little headache. I have a little back pain. He kept people well because they didn't want that oil on their head. But some of us need that old 
fashion oil of the Holy Ghost on our head today. Now let me tell you what happens at God's table. First of all, you get nourished at God's table. Second of all, you get an opportunity to grow at God's table. Thirdly, there's a place called fellowship at God's table. Number four, you get a sense of security. Anybody feel safe at the house of God? Isn't it wonderful to be at God's table? Number five, there's an abundance. He's always got enough. Number six, it's a place of belonging. And number seven, it's a place of acceptance. Aren't you glad you've been accepted into the beloved of the kingdom of God because you're sitting at the table today? Oh, but pastor, you don't know where I come from. It don't matter where you come from. It matters where you're headed. We're going there. We're not going back. We're going forward. Somebody help me preach right now. I thank God we're all invited to sit at his table. We don't sit here because we're perfect. We sit here because of his grace. We sit here because of his acceptance and because we accepted the invitation. And then David said, here, I'm going to preach now. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. What he said was, you give me enough oil to run over anything that I'm trying to catch the extra in. You don't just give me enough that it's going to dry up when I get out. You're going to set my soul on fire with that anointing that you have in your world. Summertime for sheep or any other animal can be a very rough time. It's known to the shepherds and to the herdsmen as fly time. You that raised animals know what I'm speaking about. I'm going to speak today on the enemies that sheep face. The enemies that sheep face. Now, when I say that, many of you are thinking lion, you're thinking bear, because David killed a lion and David killed a bear, but the wolf is the number one predator of sheep. But I got a feeling, I just ha- I, when I was getting this sermon together, I just got a feeling, this is funny, I got a feeling there was an old wolf watching David take that lion apart with his bare hands, and that bear apart with his bare hands, that wolf said, I think I'll just sit over here and howl a little bit, ooh, I don't think I want none of that shepherd. There are some enemies that when they understand what God can do for you, they'll just stand on the sideline and howl a little bit. They don't want none of you. David killed the lion. However, sheep face another enemy that many of us do not think about much because they're so small. These creatures make sheep's life miserable. Let me name a few of these enemies. One of them is a warble fly. It's a fly. It's a stout little woolly fly, and larva produces warbles in sheep and other animals, little, little, little knots in, the, in their bodies. And then there's a deer fly that brings plagues of disease caused by bacteria. Then there's mosquitoes and gnats, and mosquitoes transfer a lot of disease because it's where they have eaten before, and then they come and ingest it to you. And gnats, they just absolutely drive you crazy. But the one that bothers the sheep the most is what they call nasal flies or nose flies. They attack the nasal passage of the sheep. They lay their eggs in the damp mucous membrane of the sheep's nose. And when successful, the eggs will hatch, and for a small slender Worm-like larva will start swimming up the nasal passage and into the sheep's head, causing severe irritation and even causing sheep to lose their minds. To get relief, the sheep will beat their head against a tree. They'll rub their heads on a rock. It causes excess pain to the sheep, and it's been known to kill many. But I got something to tell you. There is an antidote for the larva flies and for the nose flies and for the warble flies and for the deer flies and for the mosquitoes and for the gnats. You know what it is? It's called linseed oil. Yeah, that's right. It's called sulfur and tire mixed. And the shepherd will come and rub that oil on that sheep's face and on its head. 
and up in its nostrils and rub that oil, that linseed, oh my God, and that tar and sulfur. And before you know it, those flies and those larvas that have been created by the eggs laid are being killed. And that sheep can go lay down in a pasture. And the aggravation is gone. The irritability is gone. The animal can lay down and rest. uh, Many here today are not bothered by the lion and the bear and the wolf. But it's the little foxes, you with me, that spoil the tender branches. It's the warble fly. It's the deer fly. It's the nasal fly, the gnats, the mosquitoes that are carriers of diseases that affect the mind and thinking. Proverbs 23 and 7 said, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm here to declare to you, Satan is doing everything within his power to gain control of the mind of the child of God. That's why the Bible said you've got to renew your mind. It's not renewing your heart. You've got to renew your mind. That's why David said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Every now and then, you just got to stop and say, hey, mind, I'm tired of you thinking like you're thinking. I'm tired of you dreaming dreams that ain't never going to happen. I'm tired of you thinking about what it could have been, what it should have been, and what it might have been. I'm in living today, and I'm going to live for tomorrow, and I'm going to live for God, and hell is not going to control my mind. Hell's not going to take me to hell. Hell's not going to destroy me. I may fight the lion, the bear, the wolf, but I'm not going to let hell destroy my mind. Can I preach to somebody today? You know what you need? You need to put your head up under the fountain and let a fresh oil come down on your head and let God take all that stuff away from you. Woo! Lord, I could preach right now. I don't want to embarrass visitors, but I'm about to preach. I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm about to preach. There's so much that hell puts in your mind. It's the end of summer, and summer's been fly season. Jesus Christ was tempted with his mind. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the plight of life, it was all in his mind. That's where the temptation starts. Eve was seduced in her mind. David's mind was seduced. I'm here to tell you, hell wants to seduce your mind. But the Bible said you've got to take on the whole armor of God. And one thing you've got to put on is the helmet of salvation. You know what that tells you? I know I'm saved. I know God's for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I know he's going to help me overcome. I know he's going to be my God. Come on, you've got to put that on. But every now and then you've got to come home from battle, take that helmet off and say, God, put some fresh oil on my head. Put some fresh oil on my head. I need to be anointed. I need the presence of God to anoint my life again. Clap your hands all over this house and worship God. That's what I'm talking about. Bible said you got to take every thought, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So my question is, what are you allowing to buzz around your head? What are you allowing to buzz around your head? Impure sexual thoughts? Fantasies? Let me talk about Facebook just a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and just bust it wide open. So you get on Facebook and you think, you know, Johnny, you know, my marriage ain't that good. Old Johnny back in high school, he was a cool head. He had a duck tail. He had his sleeves rolled up and he had a pack of cigarettes under them sleeves. He was bad. He was our school's Fonzie. I wonder what old Johnny's doing. Think I'm going to check him. He always drove the nicest car and had the hottest chicks. And he winked at me one day. 
And all of a sudden, you're drifting away. And you're saying, my God, I think I'm going to check on him. And you check on him. And you say, I don't think I want that no more. (laughs) He looks like he's the kind of guy that would come over and eat all my Oreo cookies. (laughs) And make me go work to get some more. And then there's, there's this fantasy about, about drugs and there's this fantasy about alcohol. and Like you can't enjoy living unless you just get high on some kind of narcotic. Or you get high on some alcohol. I'm not an alcoholic pastor. I'm not a drug addict pastor. But I just like to get high. I like that buzz every now and then. I had a second grade school teacher in DeRitter walked in my office one day and she was a beautiful woman. I mean, she was, a, she, was a, she was a beauty contest winner. She said, Pastor, I got a problem. I thought, who, who that looks like you could have a problem? She said, I'm a cocaine addict. I'm hooked on cocaine. I said, you're hooked on what? She said, cocaine. I said, no, you can't be hooked on You can't. You're too pretty. You're too precious to be hooked on cocaine. You can't be hooked. I'm hooked on cocaine. I said, how? She said, I, I, I took it one night to stay awake to grade some papers and said, then the more I, the more I experienced with it and, and experimented with it, said, the more I needed. And said, now it takes so much to get back to the same place that I was. Said, I, 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 need, I need a lot of cocaine, Pastor, and I'm, a, I'm an addict. I'm an addict. I need help. And I never, I never dreamed that anybody could get so fixed on something that was full of the Spirit, so fixed on something that was so artificial. But I'm telling you here today, the devil wants your mind. He wants your mind. Can I preach to anybody? I know, I know I'm getting on some of your feet here in your shoes. I, 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 know I'm, I know I'm hurting somebody here today, but I'm telling you, hell will take you as far as you'll let hell take you. The man in the garden in, in, the, in, in the demonic of Gadara never, never thought he'd be chained to prisons inside a graveyard but hell will take you as far as you let hell take you but today I'm preaching that some of us what we need is a fresh oil on our head we need that thought of I'm worthless we need that thought of I, I've got too much guilt in my life. We need that thought of I'm, not, I'm ashamed of who I am. We need that thought of I don't fit in the church. We need that thought of nobody loves me. We need that thought of I'm all alone. We need that all to be washed away. And it can be washed away by the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said the only thing that will destroy the yoke is the anointing. Oh, somebody help me right now. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this house. We need to go into September saying, anointing, fall on me. Anointing, fall on me. Come on, anointing. I want my head to be covered. Because there's too much buzzing around my life. John 8 and 44, I've got to hurry. It says the devil is a liar and the father of lies. But John 8, 32 said, and you shall know the truth. Everybody say the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Now, let me talk about truth just a minute. Because you admit that you're an addict, or because you admit that you're having illicit immorality in your life and you're gone beyond the regions of sanity, you just messed up, does not free you from that addiction. You should know the truth. The truth will make you free. It frees you. Truth frees you to make a choice that says, I know I'm addicted. I need some help. And then that, choice, that freedom that you get from telling yourself the truth gives you a choice to say, I want out 
or I'm going to stay in. But I declare to you that if you ever come to the realization that you have something that you're affixed on in your life, whether it's doubt, fear, unbelief, whether it's I don't know if I'm saved or not, all those things that hell tries to put in your mind, this is where the battlefield is right here. And that's why David said, because he was a shepherd king, I need some fresh oil in my life. I need something to be poured on my head. I need something to be blessing on my head. I need to gurgle under it. I need it to run in my ears and my mouth and my nose. I need my eyes to be covered with that anointing. I need anointing on my life. And when that anointing comes on your life, it washes everything away. And you walk out of here saying, I have been renewed in Jesus Christ. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. Hallelujah. So you've lost your joy, your peace. You begin to waver in your walk. The enemy's tried to steal your hope. You're saying, what can I do? Here's what I want to tell you. If you're ever going to learn to live right, you must learn to think right. And right thinking comes when the anointing comes on your life. John 10 and 10 said the thief steals, kills, and destroys. But I've come that you might have life that more abundantly. Some of us need to tell hell, buzz off. Just get out. This mind, this heart, this soul, this spirit belongs to Jesus Christ. Randy, if you'll help me. The good shepherd wants to anoint our heads with oil. Everybody say, the good shepherd wants to anoint your head with oil. Jesus bled from seven places at Calvary. Three of them were from the head. He bled from his brow in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed and his sweat became as great drops of blood. Then they plucked his beard and he bled from his face and then they put the crown of thorns into his skull. He bled again because he knew the battle was always going to be in the mind. He knew that the hell was wanting to take your mind and when he can take your mind, he'll take your heart, he'll take your spirit away from the church. But when Jesus died, you know where he was crucified? At Golgotha. You know what that means? The place of the skull. The first place the blood ever dropped was on a skull. On the place of a skull. He wants his blood. He wants his sanctification to touch your spirit today. And to make you whole in him by the anointing of the spirit. In the Old Testament, in the holy place, there was a place called the golden lampstand. And it was just before you walked into the holy of holies. And it, it didn't burn by consumption like candles do. It didn't, it didn't burn down. It, it was filled with fresh oil all the time. And the priest's job was to keep the fresh oil flowing in that lamp. So it is with our lives because we're kings and priests. We have to keep the oil of God in our life or the lamp's going to go out. Eli forgot to take care of his duties. And the Bible said God called Samuel before the lamp went out because Samuel had to put some oil in the lamp. I want to say something to you folks. I'm not trying to scare anybody because I don't scare people. I'm not a scary preacher. I'm a, I'm a loving preacher. But you know the Lord's going to come one of these days. Turn to your neighbor and say, Maranatha. Say it, Maranatha. The Lord's coming. Say it, the Lord's coming. Say it, the Lord's coming. Say it again, the Lord's coming. That ought to be comforting words to us. That should be comforting words to us. But I declare to you, there were five wise and five foolish virgins in Matthew chapter 25. And the Bible said that they all had their oil. But while they waited, they went to sleep and slumbered and slept. And at midnight, the call came, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. 
and they got up to trim their lamps and the five foolish realized they didn't have enough oil. So they said, give us of your oil for ours have run out. And they said, we can't. We can't do that. Go buy for yourself oil. And when they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Good, clean people. Hear me? Good, solid people. Just let the oil run out. Solid citizens. Great people. People that I love and enjoy and being around. But you've got to take care of the oil business in your life. You've got to take care of the oil. The oil is so important. It's time for you to come and get under the master's hands. And say, Lord, anoint me with fresh oil. I need to be anointed with fresh oil. So on this Sunday morning, some are here today that need a mind renewing. You say, Pastor, I've allowed the enemy to lay some eggs in my head and my heart. And they've hatched and there's grown thoughts in my soul that is not good thoughts. And I need a fresh anointing today. Doubt, anger, insecurity, fear, depression, impure thoughts, bitterness. We need to be like the shepherd King David. Lord, I need to be anointed with fresh oil. I want my cup to overflow. Fresh oil will destroy the flies that want to destroy the sheep. That's all I got to say. Would you praise the Lord for the word today? Would you praise the Lord for the word? And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.